for me, it was the right fit you know, against the New York Giants. Like, this is this is the New York Giants. If you don't like it, then you're welcome to leave. But that's the way that we do things around here. Man, I'm so blessed. It's crazy. I've been manifesting New York. I, I kind of had a feeling it was going to be New York, but now that we're here, man, God is good. Once a giant, always a giant. For me, it's only a giant. Welcome, everybody, to another edition of All In with Art Stapleton, a New York Giants podcast brought to you by the USA Today Network. I'm your host, Art Stapleton, and the New York Giants, 6-1, and one, heading to Seattle this week. Appreciate all of you listening to the post-game podcast Sunday night from Jacksonville, and it was a wild day in Giants land today. Kadarius Tony. Shipped out of town to the Kansas City Chiefs and a bit of bit of a surprise. We'll get into that today. Also, Geno Smith. Well, Giants haven't crossed paths with Geno in five years. We all remember the moment five years ago. I wanted to reminisce a little bit on that and talk about this week's game and what it represents for the Giants, for Geno Smith and the Seahawks. And where we're at. No guests this week. We'll have to regroup after the bye week. Had some things set up. And it just worked out that we're just going to wait until after the bye week. Julian Love and Xavier McKinney were going to do the podcast. They ran late in the weight room and could not get it done during the media access period. So we're going to catch up with Love and McKinney. Hopefully after the bye week, we'll do a two-for-one the way we did with Saquon Barkley and Sterling Shepard earlier this season, so hopefully you'll enjoy that one. But without further ado, let's get into the two big items of the week. The first one, Kadarius Toney, former Giant, once a Giant, but it certainly seemed not very long. 24 games possible in his career to this point. Kadarius Tony played in 12 of them. And when you consider the numbers, it's kind of hard to look and see why Joe Shane... It's hard to look and not see why Joe Shane made this move. Consider this. Of the 12 games Kadarius Tony played as a Giant, he didn't participate in 50% of the snaps in five games. So only seven games in his career to this point, he's played in more than 50% of the snaps. So you consider that, you look at where he is in terms of a player. I said this several weeks ago. I've written this since September. The reality is Kadarius Toney had about a game and a half in this league to show people the ceiling of his game. That was in New Orleans last year for a big win for the Giants. And then in Dallas is the game. 10 catches, 189 yards, mostly from Mike Glennon. People forget about that. In a Giants loss, 44-20, to in which we all know Daniel Jones was hurt. Saquon Barkley was hurt. Kenny Galladay was hurt all in the first half. And Kadarius Toney ended up getting ejected at the end of that game. But there was a feeling 
inside Jerry World that day that Kadarius Tony was going to be a star for the rest of the season. I think I even wrote about it is that making those parallels to what Odell Beckham Jr. did as a rookie in 2014. The idea of getting off to a slow start in the season, then the team finally figuring out how to use you, and then you just explode. And the further we've gotten from that day in Dallas, it's become an outlier for Kadarius Toney. It's really not representative of who he's been at the pro level. Again, 24 games with him in a Giants uniform, or at least under contract with the Giants, as a first-round pick. And he's barely played. The Giants have had a hard time getting him on the field. That's another factor. And it's one of those things where this is not a day to celebrate the Giants. Having to trade Kadarius Toney is not a good day for the Giants. It's a good step forward for the current regime of general manager Joe Shane and head coach Brian Dable. And obviously everybody from the top down comes along with that. This is a deal that needed to be made because I don't think if the Giants waited until the offseason that Kadarius Toney would have brought back a third round pick. Now, yes, it's a third-round compensatory pick, one of the two that Kansas City is getting essentially under the Rooney rule because Ryan Poles, who also interviewed with the Giants as general manager, ended up getting the general manager's job in Chicago. So the league in promoting minority candidates gave Kansas City two third-round compensatory picks, the order of which will be determined at a later date. So the end of the third round and a sixth-round pick. Now, if you look at what Brandon Bean, Joe Joe Shane's mentor in Buffalo, what he did at the end of his first season, he ended up trading Tyrod Taylor to get a draft asset. They traded Sammy Watkins to get a a draft asset. They're looking to get these assets. So if it's time to strike for a player that will help this team long-term, they will do it. That's where we're at from the Shane perspective. But from a Giants perspective, overall, this is not great. It's a reflection on former general manager Dave Gettleman, former head coach Joe Judge, anyone else who was in that room when they decided to to trade down to get a first-round pick for this year, which turned out to be Evan Neal, to bypass a player like Micah Parsons, go to 20, and then making the decision to draft Kadarius Toney. And that's on that regime. It's not on Joe Shane and Brian Dable. Now, I know there were reports back in the spring that the Giants were looking to trade Toney, I think they would listen to any offer, but I truly believe that they were trying to get Tony into this offense. Let's be honest. Look at this offense. They need playmakers. They didn't anticipate or they couldn't have anticipated Saquon Barkley being back to an MVP type level player. I mean, he's better than what he was as a rookie. And that says a lot. But from Joe Shane's perspective, he needed to treat this long term. And 
as I wrote on NorthJersey.com today, the reality is that Kadarius Tony it has been like the board game operation. He's had COVID twice. He had a hamstring. He had a knee. He had an abdomen. Uh, I think he had a quad. There are a lot of injuries that he's dealt with. The first day of rookie minicamp, he had a problem with his cleats. They didn't fit, so he's practicing barefoot. Going all the way through his rookie season, and that's just picked up this year. Played two games, got hurt, and has not been back on the field. You know, Kadarius Tony loves to engage sometimes on social media, and not in a good way. And he started a flurry of tweets once the trade was made official, saying how he's healthy and, you know, making it seem like either the Giants were not playing him, which is false, or that he was healthy and dogging it, which I don't believe that was necessarily the case. But it certainly gives off that perception when you tweet something like that. Now, he later deleted the tweet, but it's out there. And it was screenshotted, and it's all over the place. So, just something to remember him by, I guess, as we go forward here. Now, just think of it this way. The Giants' 2020 first-round pick has more career touchdown catches than their 2020 first first round pick and that 2020 first rounder is an offensive tackle Andrew Thomas so that's another perspective in terms of where they're at will Kadarius Tony find his game in Kansas City that remains to be seen can he stay on the field can Andy Reid tap into his unique skill set with Patrick Mahomes throwing him passes, will we see more of the joystick-type moves, the elite quickness, the game-breaking ability? Certainly possible. I know there's a segment of Giants fans bracing for that, knowing that it may happen. But the reality is that if the Giants are going to sell you on smart, tough, and dependable... And that's why they're in the position they're in. It's hard to sell that and then continue showing patience for a talent like Kadarius Tony. And at that point, when you consider that, it's a surprise that they even waited this long. So that's where we're at with Kadarius Tony. That third and sixth round pick, does it mean that the Giants are now going to be players in the wide receiver market? Trade deadline on Tuesday. My thoughts on that is that the answer is no, that they are not going to all of a sudden go make a deal. But could they if something comes across their table? I think it's possible. I think they would be looking for someone who's on a rookie contract that they could ultimately maybe sign to a better deal at some point to lower cap hits someone they may have connections with. You've heard about DJ Moore down in Carolina. That number is high. So I don't know how the Giants would make that work. 
I also don't know if Carolina is looking to deal DJ Moore after dealing Christian McCaffrey. The player that everyone wants to talk about is Jerry Judy. First-round pick from Alabama with the Broncos. Broncos are off to a horrible start. Couldn't have been any worse for them. Judy has not lit it up the way you'd expect a first-round wide receiver to do. His numbers are low because he's on a rookie contract. He knows Brian Dable. Dable was the offensive coordinator when Judy was a freshman at Alabama. So there is that familiarity there. I don't know if the Giants would look to do that. Maybe they flip a third rounder from Kansas City and a future pick and try to get Judy out of Denver. I'm not sure if that would be enough. But it all comes down to how desperate Denver truly is to trade Jerry Judy. At this point, I'm not sure if any moves get made before Tuesday for the Giants. I think what Joe Shane has shown us is that he's very deliberate in terms of sticking to his plan. Not just the short term, but the long term as well. I think the Giants will go into Seattle on Sunday with the idea of finishing out their quote-unquote first half strong. And then the bye week is next week. And then the Giants will decide what they do from there. So that's where we're at with the Cadarius Tony situation. I think when it comes down to it, like I said, Giants fans, you're going to have to brace for the possibility that Tony makes some plays early on in Kansas City. And if they do that, you know, the Giants are going to get ripped for giving away Tony. But look at the body of work that he's put together in the NFL to this point. This was not giving up on a player. This was reading the tea leaves. This was looking at the results and saying, you know what? We pull the plug now. We have a better chance of getting a much bigger return than we will in the offseason. Because right now, no one knew when Kadarius Toney was going to come back into this offense on the field. We thought he'd be back by London, and then he re-injures a hamstring. It was all a little too fuzzy, fishy about what was going on. And it was at it was time. It was time. If he wasn't going to get on the field, the Giants had to do what they could do to get a return for next year. So now we see. Now we see where they go. And that's where we're at. So those are my thoughts on Kadarius Tony. I'm sure we'll revisit that at some point over the next week or so. Uh, but that's where we're at with that. Um, make sure you check out. I, ha- I thought I had a, a couple of really good stories this week on NorthJersey.com. So if you haven't checked it out already, the art of the play fake with Daniel Jones. Uh, talk to Brian Dable one-on-one about that. Uh, Jones has been exceptional with his ball handling in the pocket in the run game and his sleight of hand has been great. Also talked to Boomer Esiason for that story. Since I've been watching the NFL, Boomer and Aaron Rodgers are probably the two guys who are the best at play fakes that I've seen. And to get 
one of them in the story, and then Daniel Jones talked about Aaron Rodgers a little bit. Uh, I think you'll enjoy that story if you haven't checked it out. And then my feature for subscribers for NorthJersey.com and across the USA Today Network on Dexter Lawrence. I think you really like it. Uh, my plea to you is if you haven't subscribed already, please take advantage of our $1 for six months deal. Read that Dexter Lawrence feature. I thought it was great. Great stuff from Dex, from Leonard Williams, from Andre Patterson, the Giants defensive line coach, uh, from Mark Hall, who is a private defensive line coach who works with guys like Eric Armstead and Kenny Clark and Dexter Lawrence. Uh, Gave me some good stuff about their defensive line summit, if you will, at the University of Oklahoma back in July. Uh, So a lot of good stuff on Dex in that story. Hope you check it out and enjoy it. Uh, Now let's switch gears to the game on Sunday. You've got old friend Geno Smith and the Seahawks. Four and three, first place team in the NFC West. Going against the Giants in six and one. Giants on a four-game winning streak. Daniel Jones, Saquon Barkley playing at a high level. It'll be Barkley against rookie Kenneth Walker running back at a Michigan State. But you can't talk about this game and mention Geno Smith without going back five years. And I figured I'd shed a little light and talk about that experience that day from my perspective. Around 1.30, I was sitting in the media workroom that day and back back then, uh, I believe it was a Tuesday and... We were always in on Tuesday because Ben McAdoo switched up the schedule. And I got a direct message on Twitter that just said Gino at around 1.30. And I entertained a conversation with someone who said that they had heard that he was going to start on Sunday. And I laughed it off and I said, that's ridiculous. And... It was about 3.20 when the Giants put out a tweet saying Geno Smith to start Sunday against the Raiders. And at that point, I felt like the biggest fool. I had the scoop right in front, and I laughed it off. And it was a lesson for me as a reporter, as a beat writer. You never know where tips are going to come from. And in that moment, it was was one of those hard-to-believe things that was going down on this beat. So we were ushered into the field house. Ben McAdoo talked to us. Uh, Looked like it was very, an uneasy situation. And then I remember going into the locker room, seeing Eli Manning holding back tears as he talked about being benched, which is how things played out. And then Geno Smith was there and also Davis Webb. And you got to remember, the feeling back then was that Davis Webb was the heir apparent to Eli. So they were going to da- going to Geno, but there was that feeling that Davis would finish out the season in some way, shape, or form. And just remembering that moment in the locker room, it was pretty crazy. Some of the defensive players, I don't even know if they realized what had happened uh, because they were joking around. I think JPP was there and there wasn't a sense that 
they made this big dramatic proclamation to the team. And I talked to Davis Webb today about that. And he, he said he found out when Eli came into the quarterback's room and it was Davis Webb, Frank Signetti, who was the quarterback's coach at the time, and Geno Smith. And Eli came in, kind of, he said there were still some tears in his eyes, and he must have just finished up his conversation with Ben McAdoo, telling him that he did not want to follow through on that plan of just starting games to keep his streak alive. And Davis told me that he called it the most dramatic moment he's seen in his football career at any level having to be in the locker room that day. Uh, it was pretty crazy. So fast forward that week, we go out to Oakland. It was all about not only Gino, but the future of Ben McAdoo and Jerry Reese. It was odd to be on the field in Oakland. We were allowed on the field in pregame and then after the game. So it was very strange. The Giants obviously lose that game, watching Eli Manning jog off, Geno as the starter. That was the Ben McAdoo, as long as my as long as my key card works the next morning, I'll be the coach of the New York Giants. I got on a flight the next morning from Oakland, and I remember covering the press conference from the plane. Breaking the news from the plane. And Ben McAdoo's key card suddenly did not work. He was fired. Jerry Reese spent hours at the facility. and He was fired. Steve Spagnuolo became the interim coach. And Eli Manning was installed back as the starting quarterback. So now we come full circle in a sense. Geno Smith having the best year of his career by far with the Seahawks going against the Giants, who are having their best season by far since Eli Manning's benching for Geno Smith. It's quite a storyline this this Sunday. Maybe not as dramatic, but this should be a very good game. This should be a game that people look at. And I know the America's Game of the Week on Fox with... Kevin Burkhart and Greg Olson and Aaron Andrews is the Rams and the 49ers for obvious reasons. But the Giants Seahawks might be the best game of the week. And that underlying Geno situation is certainly interesting for the Giants. I'm sure it's interesting for Geno. The way the Giants let that play out that year, I think John Mara probably has a ton of regrets for allowing that to even happen, but it did. And it's part of history. It's part of recent Giants history. And now it's almost an opportunity Sunday to turn a page on really the moment that has defined this slide for the Giants up until this season. So can the Giants be seven and one going to the bye week? I think they can, and for the first time in a couple weeks, I'm going to pick the Giants to win the game. I think the atmosphere will be great, but I do think that this team has a little something going. I think Wink Martindale will 
shut down this run game a little bit and get some turnovers from Geno Smith. I think the Giants are going to be the best team that Seattle's faced at this point. I think Daniel Jones continues to play well. I think Saquon Barkley runs the football well against this Seahawks team. And I think the Giants go into the bye week at 7-1 and one, and then come out of the bye week with two winnable home games, Houston and Detroit, and then it's Thanksgiving in Dallas. And at that point, the Giants can only hope that they have Evan Neal back and maybe Shane Lemieux is back. And where they're at as a team, we'll find out how much closer they are to this division. If Philly is still undefeated and where they're going to be, uh, it's all out in front of the Giants right now. And I think it'll be a close game on Sunday, but I am going to pick the Giants as underdogs yet again. Uh, and I think they, I think they win this game and go into the bye at seven and one. Even if they lose and they're six and two at the bye, there isn't a Giants fan in the world. There isn't someone in the building that would not have signed up for six and two at the bye. And I think that's where I think they will be seven and one. So it's been a crazy week. We will be out in Seattle, have a a post-game podcast on Sunday night. Make sure you check that out. Uh, But until then, we appreciate you being all in, and we'll continue to be all in with the New York Giants, the 6-1 New York Giants. We'll catch you on Sunday after the game at Lumen Field in Seattle.